Hello and welcome to the Found Cause, where we found a cause and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, my hand behind the machine, and to my virtual front, firstly, it's my normal co-host, it's... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And joining us back from the dead, it's none other than... Theodore, under the PC, under we are the person of Christ. all virtual today, because if you were listening closely last week, I alluded to my wife having a terrible cold, and now I have said terrible cold, so although we were going to buddy-buddy and mash up, and Theodore made a filler video that we're going to be putting in in one of his uh, highly renowned uh, Theodore Reacts series, uh, we are going to do some reaction videos of our own, so I don't know when they'll come out, they'll probably come out the week after Theodore's uh, video himself, but we had these lined up, uh, some of the ones that we were going to react to actually previously, and, uh, to pull out Audible today. So I apologize for any sniffles or coughs on my end, but uh, my co-hosts are more than capable of handling these extremely short videos. Theodore placed a bet on me, which I think he will lose. And he was like, this will probably be like 15 <laughs> minutes, uh, 20 minutes. And I'm like, uh, no, we have two short videos, very short um, but the Found Cause has a, a responsibility, a fiduciary responsibility to give you that 30-minute content you crave. So I bet these will be 30 <laughs> minutes or more. Um, we will see. The topic of today's episode is one that we on the Found Cause have talked about a lot, and that is free will. Free will is one of those things that uh, kind of was the big topic when I got into doing the podcast with Theodore and Isaiah way, way, way back, if you're a real OG listener. Um we have talked about capitalism in this podcast before. Theodore, myself, and Sebastian have all have evolutions in our own lives, whether on and off the podcast on this understanding. But for the purposes of today's reaction video, we want to check out how famed Islamic apologist and YouTuber Dr. Yasser Qadi, or Shaikh, 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 Dr. Yasser Qadi, uh, interprets free will in Islam. And then we want to show how some like religious institute of philosophy interprets it and see how both compare and contrast and also give our own take. Um, so without further ado, and I will say and give credit to Sebastian, who of course is the one hunting around for weird Muslim content. He did find Yasser Qadi. I've seen him debate James White, but uh, I don't know where you found this, Sebastian. So credit to you for finding this bad boy. I like Yasser Qadi. He is pretty balanced and he even takes is under pressure from more hardcore Muslims because he's willing to, you know, say like, we can't say this, we can't say that. So I appreciate his balanced Sunni take on things and found this interesting because he is well known, his name, and also free will and predestination is maybe not as much as before, but it for sure was a big topic of debate in Islam. So that's why I thought it'd be interesting. Yeah, and you know, to my knowledge, it's a pretty small sect of Islam that is predestination-focused. But we'll see what he has to say. Do we have free will, or is everything predestined? That is the question. He's got a lot of sound effects. A companion asked the Prophet وسلم, or Messenger of Allah, what we're doing now, is it something that Allah has predetermined for us, or is it something that we do spontaneously? And the Prophet ﷺ said, it is something that Allah has predestined for you. I'm just going to react. The giant symbol that has peace be upon him. A little distracting, but I'll forgive it. It must be some Muslim thing. Uh, so the messenger said, and, Allah, and Muhammad said, that uh, Allah has predestined things for you. Which, what's your take on that? I mean, our take as Christians is that God is sovereign. He plans everything out. Is that everything, whether we perceive it to be good or evil, is actually ultimately planned out for God, by God. And that even evil things, objectively evil things, are allowed because ultimately they are good in the grand scheme of things. Even if the one doing them 
does not intend them to be good, and even if they're punished in the end, that God is using evil for good. He's not making the best out of evil things. He's actually intending the evil for good. And so um, we don't say that God does the evil things, but he has predestined them for good. For reference, see Genesis, the story of Joseph and his brothers when they reunite. Right. And we've done podcasts on this before, but well, just assume you've seen those by this point. So the man said, then why should I do anything? And the Prophet ﷺ said, go ahead and do. I'malu, do your amal. Show your deeds. Do what you need to do. Hey, Muslim scholar Sebastian, do you know what amal mean? Do your amal? Your duty? Your duties. Okay, your duties. Show your deeds. Do what you need to do. Which, by the way, we would agree with this take, that even if God has predestined things to happen, you're still called to do what's good. And you're still held accountable to the things you don't do. Um, so it's not like you are... Uh, this is a famous section in Romans 9, if you're familiar with it, that at the very end it says that if God predestines people for either hell or heaven, um, how are we to judge anyone? Because God is the one that ultimately puts somebody in hell or somebody in heaven. So how can we judge somebody for doing things that make them worthy of hell or worthy of heaven? <coughs> Excuse me. And the answer is, um, isn't it God's choice to do what he wants with his creation? And equally, that he is glorified in those who do wrong and right because he shows justice in those who do wrong and mercy in those who do right. So we're still called to do what is right because we want to be shown mercy and we want to be held righteous and people who have been transformed by the Holy Spirit should be doing what is good. So we agree with the Muslims on this point. And frankly, I mean, what, uh, what worldview could hold itself together if you could just do whatever you wanted at all times because things were quote-unquote predetermined? They call that fatalism. And I remember learning in a cultural studies class in South America that uh, South America, so they said, was particularly fatalistic because of Calvinism, except in Catholicism, which I was like, this doesn't make any sense, um, which I really don't think it does. But uh, fatalism, believing that your fate is already set and therefore what was you like, you don't have to do anything because the gods have already plotted out your course. Um, that's an evil, lazy doctrine. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make what you had predetermined and predestined easy for you to do. The bottom line is that the concept of predestination, as I said uh, in our class, in our lecture, is one of the mysteries of Allah. At some level, we understand we have free will. At some level, we sense we have free will and we act according to that free will. At another level, in another dimension, in a way that we'll never understand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed predetermined everything. Just another note that the random Arabic really throw me off. Um, it's kind of like some of the Jewish presentations where they speak into Judaism or Hebrew. But uh, he's saying in another dimension that we'll never understand, we don't have free will. Everything is predetermined. But on the level we do understand, we have free will. I think this is coming up short maybe because he doesn't have the wisdom of the Bible or the benefit of Scripture. But we would say we generally understand, like we just described, how we have will and how God's plan is accomplished, that God created everything, including our natures, and we act according to our natures. So when God created us in our natures, um, they're fallen inherently, and then he regenerates them as he sees fit. So those that he makes good, he, he makes good, and he regenerates each portion of our beings and our natures as he sees fit. So even when he calls us to himself and we become Christians and we're washed clean by the Holy Spirit and we're clean judicially, we still have parts of our fallen nature that are there. Um, we may continue to lie or continue to lust or continue to have pride or whatever else. And because our natures are inherently fallen, they're inherently evil. And so because of that, God is able to predetermine every step of ours because our will is actually enslaved to either sin or God. 
And so if we are enslaved to God, our steps are predictable because God has commands and he tells us what to do uh, in his word and then through his spirit. And if we are enslaved to sin, because we aren't enslaved to God, then our actions will follow sin's case. So in that case, our will is not free. We, we freely do it. We do it of our own volition because it's part of our nature. We're not forced to do it. Um, but it is nonetheless enslaved to the predetermined course of history. So in that way, it's, it's understandable to humans how and why God can know the future and predetermine everything, even though we have our own separate wills. But uh, Islam must not have that kind of wisdom because he doesn't have it here. Allah's predetermination should not affect our actions. Allah's qadr should not affect our amal. And I do know one, qadr is the, the pre-knowledge, the foreknowledge of God. Um, that I do know from it's James fate. White. Demons. Yes, fate. We don't know what is our qadr. So we assume the best. We, we, we plow forward. We do what needs to be done. Unless we plant the seeds, there will be no fruit. And Allah has willed there will be fruit uh, or not. But if we don't plant the seeds, there will be no fruit. So we have to do the deeds, put in the effort, and then put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here's the fundamental flaw. Maybe, Sebastian, you want to sit on this. This is a fundamental flaw and difference between um, even some Christian, quote-unquote, sects that do not have a saving grace of course, the Muslim faith, which does not have saving grace and will not save you, and the true Christian faith that does save you, um, is that this formula that they put out is similar to the Mormon formula and many others, is not right and does not actually show real godly grace. I don't know if you want to say anything on that, Theodore or Sebastian. Well, sure, I'd be, I'd be happy to. So it is, it, it is just fascinating that they emphasize in a similar way, the, like Roman Catholicism, how, yes, Allah, God. God in Catholicism, of course, through his grace, it imbues you with the ability to do good. And in Islam also, by the help of and mercy of Allah, you are able to do good things to earn, to merit for yourself uh, righteousness. It is, depending on the sect, it goes back and forth between straight up uh, Pelagianism and semi-Pelagianism meaning you are the one who contributes really in how you are saved, how you become righteous. And the problem with Islam is that there is no mediator. You're somehow you're able to work up your righteousness, but your sin is still a problem. So either Allah completely forgets your sin or you're still carrying it somehow and you're still, and you're in heaven. So you see, there's a problem with the, the lack of a mediator to remove the sin from you. Right. And I remember similarly, um, one of the first uh, Book of Mormon verses and only really <laughs> Book of Mormon verse that I memorized was Second Nephi, which says that you are saved by grace through faith, which is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, just a straight copy paste, except in Second Nephi, it adds after all that you can do. So you're saved by grace through faith. Absolutely. We believe it. It's from Ephesians. Um, we believe that by grace, meaning that by, because of God's goodness, not because of anything we've earned, we've been saved. And that's through faith. And that this, both the faith and the grace are given by God. They're a gift, not from our works. So both the faith we have in God and then the, the actual giving of our salvation are both from God, not from us. Um, but the Mormons add after all you can do. So if you've done enough, then the Lord saves you, which really functionally, there's not a lot of difference between believing you can earn your way to salvation without God and believing you need to earn your way to salvation with God um, if both times you need to meet some certain threshold. Because the thing is, the threshold you need to meet to satisfy God is too high. 
for any man to do. We are all sinful by nature, and therefore, if we relied on our own nature, we would be unable to, to do good. It's him who puts good works before us. Ephesians says the same thing, that he's predestined good works before us. And in the same way, the Muslim strategy here of putting in your effort and then putting your trust in Allah um, might seem wise because it's similar to Christians like working hard and then trusting God. But really, we should trust God and then put in the effort. This should really be reversed because we as Christians have a confidence that God has already saved us. He's already by grace put the faith that we have in him into us. And so he'll complete that good work in us. We trust that he is able to save us entirely. And like you said, Sebastian, we have a mediator in Jesus Christ who's already fulfilled all of the works of the law. So even when we fall short, we know that we are justified before God because our faith is in Jesus who did the law for us. Again, that doesn't mean that our sins aren't evil, but they do mean that they are paid for. Um, whereas in this system, in the Muslim system and in any workspace system, you put in the effort and you don't know if you've done enough effort because there's no real-time meter. There's no... Uh, dashboard you can log into to see have I done enough grace for today for the week for the month for the year for my life um, you will always be in a state of questioning whether or not God is pleased with you whether or not you're going to go to heaven and of course ultimately these systems don't even have a way for you to go to heaven because their God is fundamentally fraught, flawed he should be just Allah or the Mormon God or insert your workspace system here um, but if you do not have a Jesus Christ that fully pays the law and, and fully completed the law, um, we have a God that's letting people in who are actually unjust, flawed people into heaven, which is uh, evil, wouldn't be just. And I think this is pretty much it from Yasser Yep. Short video, like we said. You saw the Muslim way of dealing with things. Now we're going to flip. And that was a Sebastian video, mind you. Now we're going to yes, flip to... I do want to okay. state before we before we completely shift gears, mm -hmm. and I do want to encourage our uh, viewers to see his full lecture because he dives, he quotes the Quran more and talks about uh, all the, the takes on Islam on the matter of free will and predestination. Most Muslims, as I think I alluded to before, they hold they hold more to free will than predestination, which I found fascinating because the Quran, and I do want to say this, it is it really emphasizes the predestining of God. And I mean, I, if if it may be any benefit to anybody out there after I've been plowing through the Quran, it's not easy to read, mind you. Even the English part, I don't mean the Arabic, but uh, from the chapter on Jonah. There is no activity you may be engaged in or profit or portion of the Quran you may be reciting, nor any deed you all may be doing except that we are witness over you while doing it. Not even an atom's weight is hidden from your Lord on earth or in heaven, nor anything smaller or larger than that, but is written in a perfect record. Then I could do even I could do even more from the chapter in Hud, one of the prophets in Islam. There is no moving creature on earth whose provision is not guaranteed by Allah, and He knows where it lives and where it is laid to rest. All is written in a perfect record. So the argument there is that the Quran pushes for predestination. We believe in predestination in a sovereign yad. It uh -huh. is a powerful vision of God. But of course, just like modern-day Christians, modern-day uh, Muslims are split on this, I think fundamentally because man usually yearns for um, pride and accountability in wanting to them to be the center of things, not God. And so when either 
they fail. They want the onus to be on them for being able to get back good with God. And equally, if they see somebody else fail, they don't want to think that God ordained that. They want to blame it on the person who failed. So um, that's not surprising that Muslims have similar problems that uh, some Christians have. Right, and then I'll read just one last one because I don't want to bore you. If Allah touches you with harm, none can do, none can undo it except Him. And if He touches you with a blessing, He is most capable of everything. Again, that would to me that would show me that Allah is behind either blessings or calamity, which is what God said in in Isaiah. I should know this, but it's in, in Isaiah. I bring blessing and bring calamity. So. The Quran emphasizes that God is in charge of everything that happens in the world. Yet, sadly, I would say, just like how Islam and like the Catholic Church a long time ago, they did hold to predestination. There was a huge debate on this in the Middle Ages. And the free will side won over. And I would say this would have happened in Islam as well many centuries ago. Right. Even though the holy book emphasizing, emphasizes that God is in charge of all events and really behind the actions and blessings of people. All right, so here's our double feature. That was Yasser Qadi with Islam. Now we're going to take a, a maybe more heady philosophical Christian question mark view of uh, free will. And that is uh, one of these Theodore videos. Theodore sends a lot of videos. Um, he's actually responsible for that inspiring philosophy video that we were, me and Sebastian reacted to last episode or two episodes ago, whenever this episode comes out. And boy, did I hate that video. So um, hopefully I won't hit this one <laughs> as much. The Free Will Defense. The Center, Center for Philosophy of Religion presents the Free... They're telling you the name of it. The Center for the Philosophy of Religion sounds awful, but we will see what their debate is. Free Will Defense. If God exists, God is perfectly good and all-powerful. But if God is so good, wouldn't he really want to prevent evil? And if God is so powerful... Wouldn't he be able to do exactly what he really wants? And the fundamental assumption here is that we think that a good God would destroy evil when we, that's, that's a big assumption to make. Because it could be, and I believe it is, that God intends evil for good. There's more good that there is evil than, than without evil. And eventually evil will be done away with and God will show his justice by destroying evil, but the evil is there for a purpose ordained by God. So um, we assume things when we think that a good God would just destroy evil. Thoughts like these have led many to believe that is a very ugly evil guy. That it would be impossible for both God and evil to exist. But Alvin Plantica has argued that they can coexist after all. Fun fact, Theodore shares a birthday with Alvin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Quite the theologian. Being all-powerful is impressive, but not even an omnipotent God can make a square with no corners or a rock too heavy for God to lift. Omnipotence gives God control over what is possible, not the power to do the impossible. So notice... Some common like philosophical critiques against God can be, okay, if God is all-powerful, can he, like this example said, make a, a circular square, a square with no corners, or a rock that's unliftable? Well, clearly, God, by definition, is logical and true, not false, and so he cannot do false things. So we say God cannot do false things, cannot lie, cannot do things like that, so he wouldn't be able to make an unliftable rock because he's all-powerful, so he's... He, 
He cannot make it on uh, something that's more powerful than that would be blasphemy, essentially, against himself. And then equally, he cannot defy logic because the definition of a square is that it has corners, so he can't make a square with no corners because then it would cease to be a square. He's not, um, he is consistent with his own creation. Plantica proposes that it is also impossible for God to ensure that we never use our freedom to bring about evil. But why? The answer depends on what is required for freedom. Part of what makes an action, say, Jane's riding her bike, free, is that she is also able to do something else instead. If Jane is simply forced or caused by something else to ride her bike in a way that undermines her ability to do otherwise, then Jane's act isn't truly free. I'm just going to pause it here. Maybe, Theodore, you have any questions on this, but you'll you'll find the under the fundamental and underlying assumption of this argument is that we were that God requires freedom for his actors, that that men are required to be free because there'd be some badness in Jane riding her bicycle with somebody forcing her. They wouldn't be free and being free is not good. Um, of course there's a lot of definitions of freedom, but I would kill, I would love to be enslaved to God and that I would never be able to do what he does not like. Um, so in that case, slavery is good. I, we, we want to be slaves of Christ. Christ says as much to be to be saved, to be a servant of Christ. You have to serve him and be a servant, right? A lot of the, the allegories and, and stories that Jesus shares are about servants of God. So we are ultimately servants of God. It is good to be enslaved to the Lord because otherwise you're enslaved to sin, as we said before. So I don't think freedom is required at all. It's not written in scripture that freedom in that case is required. In fact, it's said that slavery to Christ, slavery to God, is freedom because you're no longer enslaved to sin, which is an evil master, whereas God is a good master. So this this whole freedom concept isn't required by the Bible, and therefore I don't think we should be looking for a way to make it, it somehow compatible with the Bible, if you're catching my drift. Um, therefore, I think God is perfectly justified in forcing all of us to do whatever he wants, but ultimately, we, the way we see us working is that we all act according to our natures. And so in that way, God is forcing us to do what he sees fit by giving us natures that do those things. But that doesn't mean that we're kicking and screaming, saying, oh, God, don't make me rob this old lady. I don't want to do that. And God's like, do it. It's my will that you rob this old lady. <laughs> he has given us a nature that ends up robbing an old lady. But we want to. We have the greed or we have the malice or whatever, the forethought to want to do it. And God uses evil things for good. He pre determine them. He's not making the best out of a bad situation. He predetermined them, but it doesn't mean that we are good and that we're excused from our evil behavior. That is critical. Our wants are inclined. They are enslaved to sin. And it could be as dramatic as wanting to rob someone or kill someone, or it could be as simple as telling a lie and wanting things your way, refusing to pray, refusing to turn to God. It could be from something very, very critical, important to something very basic, but our wants are what we act on our wants, and they're bad outside of the grace of God. Yeah. And we all also individually experience uh, like a sort of will and freedom um, and choice. And like God's not <laughs> forcing like everything we do we have a will that is in agreement with what we do right. or uh, is opposed to what we do or what we should do. So in all that, we each have our individually or individual experience and want or desire for this or that. 
Yeah. And I think that's probably where this whole freedom thing comes from for the most part, Theodore, is that we experience quote unquote freedom because we have a, we do things according to our will, right? Like we say, I want to make a sandwich and then we go make a sandwich. We're not compelled by forces that we don't agree with. Um, I mean, sometimes, I mean, there's probably exceptions, right? Like demonic possession or slavery or whatever else where you're forced to do something truly against your will. Um, but for the most part, God operates in a way that is in accordance with our will. He allows us to do what's according to our will. Um, but fundamentally, I think what we forget is that we are therefore enslaved to our will and we are punished even for the will that we can't control. So we're born as a bad person, right? We're going to do bad things and we're pleased to do bad things because it's part of our will. We are we will to do bad things. But that nature, that will that was put in us is from God ultimately. Um, and we couldn't do anything about that. So we were born a bad person. We are born Adolf Hitler. Is Hitler actually culpable for his evil deeds because he was born with this will that he couldn't overcome? But we are our will. We are our nature. And so um, just like a rotten apple is to be thrown away, um, uh, a person made to be Adolf Hitler is meant to be judged and, and judged in hell. And so it's not unfair to judge Adolf Hitler for being bad. He was created bad. That's He was made that kind of character. And all of us were. The real Christian story is that all of us were made bad and that God transforms those who he chooses to be good and makes us vessels for honor instead of dishonor. So there's no boasting of me over Adolf Hitler. I was also born equally gross. Um, it's just God saved me from the fate of Adolf Hitler. And we'll let the we'll let the philosophy, religion people tell me more. And he didn't it. have to do it. Also very important. He didn't have to die on our behalf. Oh, the Lord, of course he did not. He could have let us all um, stay in our nature, but he's been graciously accepted some of us. And again, it's by his power that we're saved, not our own. Accordingly, if God chooses to create a world with free creatures, he cannot guarantee that they always use their freedom in the right way. But once again, and, and see, I, I guessed it. I haven't even seen this video. I guess where they were going to go with this. They're assuming that God created a world of free creatures where he doesn't know what they're going to do or that because he's decided the ultimate was to make free creatures, evil has happened. And he's like, oh no, oh, well, having free creatures is better than not having evil, and so I'll pick the free creatures instead of evil. No, I don't think that's Alvin Plantinga's view. You're basically saying open theism, right? Um, well, I, I know Alvin Plantinga is not an open theist, so what would you call this? Right. Well, maybe. Oh, I thought you, well, I thought you referred to it before as like uh, compatible or could potentially be agreeable with compatibilism. Yeah, um, so so let's take a little philosophical detour then. There is a philosophical concept called compatibilism that says that our free will is compatible with God being sovereign over everything and God knowing the future. And so in that view, the, the fundamental assumption is that we have free will. God gave us free will. Of course, he knew what we were going to do with that free will, so he knows the future, and he picked the best possible future. Um but we still have free will, even though God knows the future because he can see the future. And so there's evil because that's part of having us having free will is, is sometimes choosing evil. But it doesn't make God not know the future. Whereas open theists say that God does not know the future because he doesn't know what we'll do because we're truly free. And he didn't have the mind to calculate what we'll do. Um, and then some others go even further and say that God, like, rolled the dice a billion times to see what we would do in all potential circumstances and then pick the best possible circumstance where the most people are saved. It's called Mullenism. I don't really care for any of them. Um, I see that it, this is a way to view compatibilism, but I don't believe that God gave us a fundamentally free will and then picked the best outcome or whatever else. I think that God 
gave us natures that he desired. This is like the story he designed, not not an off story, not a best of scenario story. I believe it's the story he designed. So I don't really agree with this view of compatibilism, but it is a view of compatibilism, whereas God is still sovereign in this view, but I don't believe people are, are free outside of God's will like this view suggests. And, and ultimately, that it's not a philosophical thing. It just comes down to what does the scripture say? Scripture doesn't talk about scenarios like this. It doesn't say that we have this kind of free will. So why would we assume we do? That would be my question. And I'm not completely. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm not completely sure that he's arguing for exactly what you're saying or say that he's saying. But it might. They might just be saying some of this stuff for the sake of, like, broadening the argument so that they can make a point well, eventually. Let's, yeah, let's let him continue then. Any such guarantee would simply eliminate genuine freedom and also eliminate all the value freedom brings into the world. On Plantinga's view, God is responsible for the existence of the beings that possess free will and of their surroundings. But what comes of that gift of freedom is ultimately up to them, not God. At best, this shows only that God couldn't ensure that the world contained both free will and no evil. But couldn't God just create a world with neither instead? Perhaps the answer is that free will is a great good, a magnificent good. So incredibly good that the combination of free will together with the evil that accompanies it is more valuable than any world God could have created instead with no free creatures. Now, maybe that's not God's actual reason for permitting the kind of evil that arises from misusing freedom. And so we don't have what philosophers call a theodicy. We might not even be capable of knowing God's actual reason. Nevertheless, it is one possible explanation of how God and evil could both exist. And that's enough to serve as an adequate defense against that impossibility claim. Plantica's free will defense. So there you go. I think that okay. sums it up. So I guess you're right. <laughs> yes. And you'll see the way they frame it and uh, probably the way Alvin Platinga framed it, framed it was, we don't actually know, because scripture doesn't talk about it this way, we don't actually know that this is the reason for God's thing. And I would say definitively, actually from scripture, I'd argue this is not the reason he, he allows for wickedness. Um, I'd say you just go to Romans 9 and see what Paul says that God could be possible in God's reasoning. And it's not this. Um, it's that TV glorified and people that are evil justice, him judging them and people's uh, and the mercy on those who he saves. And I think that's reason enough and it can be the shield. You don't need fancy philosophy. But um, this shows that the atheist that comes and says, you can't have a good God. God can't exist because there's evil in the world. And therefore, if he was truly good, he wouldn't allow for evil. You could say that uh, free will is more, free will comes with evil and free will is better than evil or better is, yeah, Having free will is better than not having evil, and therefore he gave us free will. And no, I don't believe that's not scriptural. I wouldn't stick with that. Uh, we heard me say in this podcast before, I don't think we should pick uh, philosophical arguments that aren't from the Bible just because I don't think they will last over time. I don't think they have the same sting as biblical concepts. Um, ultimately, because we don't know, like this this thing even possible, we don't know that that's actually God's reasoning. Um, but at least, at least it shows that the atheist who comes to you and says that God can't be real because evil exists is wrong like they haven't been considered this thought experiment which isn't even true so you know that there's one more truth in this thought experiment kind of heady 
you know I like to stay away from philosophy, but uh, we get pulled right back in. Um, in case you were ever wondering what to say to your atheist friend who comes up to you and says that God can't exist because he can't make an immovable rock, um, you can tell him to take a short walk off a long pier. Um, so that he stays in the pier and contemplates <laughs> whether or not he actually has an argument against God or whether he's just um, coming up with some logical contradiction. Uh, any other comments from my two co-hosts on free will, on determinism, on compatibilism? I'm not sure like exactly Alvin Plantinga's personal view, but yet he's a philosophy professor and deep into that and this is basically what he's famous for um so i think whatever or this video is basically for the sake of basic philosophy of just because there's evil it does not disprove god or the christian god specifically agreed now i again would have just stuck with romans 9 and that is that uh <laughs> that there's right. goodness he, in the evil that people do because God's justice is shown, even if it was just that. And there you go. Goodness in evil. And therefore, God is good, even with evil. And the video did mention... Video did mention... Sorry. And it did mention that we very well might not know God's reasons. And indeed, we don't. Um, but we do know that God does have reasons. He should be pretty reasonable. Um, and evil does exist, so God has reasons and for uh, letting evil exist or um, creating at least the potential for evil. Um, but yeah, yeah and I mean, ultimately, the atheist that comes to you and says that there is evil and therefore there's no God is making a big assumption because we only know evil what evil is because of God's commands. And therefore, when they say it's evil to do X, Y, Z, it's evil to kill babies, it's evil to, to contribute to climate change or whatever they say, their standard for what evil is, is arbitrary because they don't have a true standard like God. They're coming up with some standard for evil from their armpits. Um, they either decide that humanity is what's good and therefore everything that's good for humanity is what's good, um, etc. Um, but that's not a, a true objective standard of what's evil and therefore when they say evil exists and therefore god doesn't exist you can say says who right because they they don't even get to define what evil is but they don't have a god and sebastian it looks like you were cut off were you gonna say something yeah i really value i treasure those brief moments when god does give reasons for why he did certain actions and what we have to keep in mind is he doesn't have to give you a reason like in the story of job uh, he was perfectly entitled not to give a re reason to Job of why everything was happening. And in fact, he doesn't really give an explanation of why the calamity came over him. And uh, he doesn't have to. But, for example, in Isaiah, in Isaiah 10, he explains why he's behind uh, sending the king of Assyria to punish sinful kingdom of Israel, northern Israel. And then in John 9, when his disciples ask Jesus, again, you know, we'll, we'll think of loving Jesus. He would never do, uh, let anyone suffer and whatnot, but he was the same God in the Old Testament. When they see a, a, ma a man blind from birth, the disciples ask, who sinned, this man or the parents? Jesus says, it wasn't neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
he gave a reason for why this man was probably at least 30 years old, maybe he was even older than that, and for his entire life, blind, crippled, and with that, that, very impaired, he couldn't work in that in those days. And mm-hmm. then God gives a reason right here why that happened, so that the works of God might be displayed in this very day, and so that this man be healed, which I find cool. Like he didn't have to explain to anybody why, why did he make this man this way, but he did. And, and additionally, when like Israel strays from God, God says he's going to bring them back, not for their sake, but for his sake, for mm-hmm. his glory. And then again, like you mentioned with uh, Romans, Paul saying, well, what if this is uh, because or in order to uh, fully display the glory of God? Right. And I think sometimes atheists or even Christians or others get upset because they don't like those reasonings. Right. But. Uh, that comes fundamentally again to who defines what's evil and what's good. God defines what's good and God defined that his glory being shown to everyone on earth and everyone that's witnessing, even angels and whoever else, all creation is better than uh, making a world no evil. And so, and that's their free will per se to be upset (laughs) or to want to be their own gods. I mean, I don't like the phrase free will because it implies that their will is separate from God. And I would say that their will is always underneath God. So it's not sovereign will. It is always underneath the sovereign. The only sovereign being in the universe is God, meaning not affected by anybody else. Um, Their free will is like an electron that floats around within a molecule or atom or something. (laughs) Yeah, it's within God's constraint. It's contained. Yeah. Right. So God's will your your will somewhere and it floats around within god's will yeah right. so it's not really free in that aspect and in the same way right. honestly just to disprove platinga's theory like in 10 seconds um if it is good <laughs> if it is such a good to have free will and free will has to accompany evil because otherwise it wouldn't be free um what is heaven do we or do we lose our free will in heaven and is therefore heaven worse than earth because there's no free will or is there evil in heaven i mean go take a short hike up a long pier and stay alive so that you can explain yourself Platinga, because it's just a dumb theory it's a theory that's not part of the bible so i'm glad it's here to to defend against the atheist but again it's just not biblical because the bible has heaven in it it has so many more aspects than some arbitrary god that uh the religious philosophical institute or whatever it needs to defend so never defend uh theism never defend things that aren't the actual bible because you will do work for something that you will not win anybody to you don't want to win people to deism you don't want to win people to theism you want to win people to biblical christianity and that is why we have found our cause and suffered the lord jesus christ i've been michael man behind the machine into my virtual front first has been sebastian the bookkeeper and to his virtual side it has been theodore under the pc always keeping us balanced i appreciate it sorry i'm overrunning you guys but i make sure we keep our video you know under 45 minutes uh i think i won the bet <laughs> if you want to see the rest of our episodes you can go to foundcosmic.podbean.com and download them all for your listening pleasure but if you want to see our beautiful faces and the face of our reaction videos you'll have to go to youtube.com find us there and we're also on facebook.com for such found cause we're also on itunes and spotify and wherever else you might find your podcast where you can listen to us in my fast voice at three times speed i dare you until next time, we'll be talking about something completely different. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.